Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to us uh, on schedule, um, we are in Thanksgiving week. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, A breather, a break, my stretchy pants, all the good things that come with Thanksgiving. Uh, And if you're listening to this from Canada, we're happy belated Thanksgiving to you. (laughs) (laughs) I think your Thanksgiving was a month ago, but... I wear stretchy pants all year oh. long. <laughs> I don't wait for Thanksgiving or Christmas. You're not doing it for the same reasons. Oh. <laughs> I really enjoy oh, the carbohydrates that come with it. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Oh, so you don't notice when you've overeaten because exactly. it just goes it with It makes you. me feel less bad about it when <laughs> the pants grow with me. Maybe that's why I wear stretchy pants all year long. <laughs> you don't eat. Junk food. So, well, that's true. <laughs> I still can overeat, even if it's not junk food. <laughs> that salad, man, it'll get you. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're listening to this any other time of the week or year, uh, it's still good to be grateful. That's not what we're going to talk about today, but <laughs> we'll um, just put that on in the beginning. Um, any of you have any opening? I know you're like, why are you doing this? Just get to the question, please. <laughs> Any, anything to say before I get, get right down to it? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I tried. Okay. Well, we have three um, questions today as we usually do. Uh, the first one is, I find it difficult to relate to other people's points of view uh, what are some tips on how to relate to another perspective without watering down what I believe to be true? I mean, the fact is finding relationships where all our po- points of view are the same is impossible. Just listen to our podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have three people in a room and we have different points of view. And whether that's our view of God, our worldview, our self-view, our view of humanity in general, uh, the view of our nation that we live in, um, the view of every individual we meet, the fact is there are just so many aspects of our point of view. And we we won't agree on all those things. So and it think, happens all the time, right? So, oh my gosh, it's it's life. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that this is a skill that can be learned? Um, I don't think, first of all, well, every I don't want to try to get people to agree with my point of view. No, I That's think this is goal, coming my from... Objective. How how can I relate to someone else's point of view? So do you think that, like, I guess what I'm saying is when I look at my children, my daughter naturally, she naturally is empathetic. She is naturally Mm. uh, can relate to different points of view. She is uh, compassionate. My eldest son, not so much. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He's very black and white, right and wrong. And he, that's dumb. Get over it. <laughs> that's right. And he he's very harsh in his communication. So that's something that we're working with him on. So I guess my thought is because we're 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 all in this same situation. So is this something that we can work on, or is it you are who you are, and that's just what it is? Well, I like even what you just said, Mama. You said my point of view. Well, it's one point from your view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just kind of recognizing that 
you have a limited perspective in life. Mm-hmm. You only have the perspective that you have. It doesn't mean it's perspective in totality. It's a point mm-hmm. of view. Yes. Um, and so if I ask the person a step to the left of me, they have a different point of view. Mm-hmm. If I ask a person you know, across the street, they have a different point of view. And you could be looking at the same thing. Yes. And in some cases, both could be true. They're just from a different perspective. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, do you remember that story where you tell about uh, my son Aiden where, I don't know, he might have been like five, six, seven years old, I don't know, and and you asked him, could you learn, what was oh, it? Could you yeah. learn something or? Well, uh, if if you remember everything you said to him, he'd go, I know. Yeah. I know. I, I know. think we worked that out of him. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so he was always, I know. And so one well, day... Well, he, he, he got a quiz back and I was trying to teach him this and teach him something in this class uh, because he got some of the questions wrong on the quiz and he, and he would be like, I know. No, apparently you don't know because <laughs> you, you just took a quiz. <laughs> so, I mean, everything was, I know, I know, I know. So, so he was doing that and I said, Aiden, uh, do you know everything? And he paused and he said, yes. And it wasn't prideful. It's just in his knowledge base brain, which really is the gift that he carries. Uh, He's very intelligent. He absorbs and retains knowledge amazingly. And um, he's a researcher. He loves history. And so even as as a little kid, he was very knowledge based. And uh, so I said, Aiden, by chance, when you are old like Mem, is there a possibility that you have you have the ability to learn something new that you don't yet know? And he paused and he thought and he said, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but it so cracked me up because from his perspective, the fact is, he did know all that he knew. Yeah. He just didn't know all knowledge. And um, and so the fact is, uh, I love to connect to people who don't think like I think yeah. because that's my place of inquiring. That's my place of trying to dig down to see why they believe they, they believe what they do. Um, even just to understand when I... When I understand why they think the way they think, then it allows me to relate and connect. So at the same time, I don't try to convince other people to try to think like me, and I don't put the pressure on myself to try to think like someone else because we all have a different experiential reality. We all have had different upbringing, different families of origin. And so we recognize all those things shape how we think, how we feel, and what we believe. And to try to make anyone a cookie cutter of us or us become a cookie cutter of them is not only unhealthy, but... um, I don't want to get my objective truth of right and wrong from another's point of view or even from my own point of view. Uh, I want to go to the author and the finisher of truth, the one that carries all knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That is a skill to develop. I think we are all 
well, hopefully developing it to some extent, but the skill of being able to understand and recognize that you do disagree, but to still have the curiosity to get to why they believe differently than you. Um, Because it's very easy to just want to convince them to think like you think because your way of thinking is the right way of thinking. But to be able to look at another person and have the curiosity to say, why do they think the way that they think? It's something I I also like doing. I like having, I like stepping into other worlds Mm -hmm. just to see other perspectives. It's like, like, do you ever just are you're just totally convinced that everyone thinks the same way as you <laughs> in a certain thing? Like it could be the the simplest thing, but you are convinced that everybody thinks that. I I think I'm safe to say there is nothing, nothing that every person on the planet will uh, see the same way. They they will totally agree. So it it really like tilts your thinking when you suddenly are in a different environment Mm -hmm. and it's this whole like worldview shift of realizing that they see things not just a little bit different, but completely opposite of you. But they have a reason too. Mm -hmm. They have a reason why they think the way that they think. And that those reasons are not all ridiculous. (laughs) Like they're not they might have a very good, very valid reason for their perspective. And just just not going in and saying, well, that's ridiculous because it's different than mine. Because I'm working on pride in my own life. I'm mm. realizing that it is something that I didn't even know how much I walked in it. Um, but realizing I don't know it all. It's I just like your son. I don't know it all. I don't have total perspective. Um, I could be really, really, really convinced of something and still be wrong. <laughs> and it's a very humbling thing. Or just be different. It might not be wrong. But it might be wrong. It might. <laughs> well, uh, one thing about this question, it said uh, how to relate to another perspective without watering down what. I believe. So here, in a sense, this question is almost a little bit fear-based because I'm afraid of what I believe could be watered down. Not so much in someone else's perspective of what I believe, but now what if I feel shaken that what I'm believing isn't actually right or good or healthy? That's... A scary proposition to come to a place when truth or someone else's perspective could expose inside of us something that isn't totally objective truth, which is for every person on the planet because we all know in part. We serve an all-knowing God, but we are not all-knowing. So if you look at that... We shouldn't be afraid because if what we are holding to be our truth aligns with objective truth, we are on a solid foundation. But if our truth is more subjective based upon our experiential reality, then don't we want that challenged at some point in our life so that uh, what we believe can 
truly line up with absolute truth. And I discover that from my God. I uh, I discover that from other individuals and their perspectives because uh, we all have different skills, abilities, callings, graces, you know, uh, I mean, what, different administrations. We see it in the word of God. You know, there are some apostles, some apostles. Not everybody is everything to all people. And who God called us to be, we are going to function through the grid of that calling and that grace and that ability. Mm-hmm. So I don't think God even created us. Think of Jesus and the disciples. He definitely had different perspective than his disciples. And the disciples had different perspectives or different ways of believing from each other. And even in the early church, there's so much in the Bible about different perspectives, you know, that Paul was addressing in the early church. So this is not a new thing. Yeah. Joel, you're not talking much. Or am <laughs> well, I talking you took too the much? thing that I was going to say about uh-huh. that the question was really fear-based. Uh. And and I was thinking, why? why is it so difficult to have empathy? Why is it so difficult to uh, see from another person's perspective? Yeah. Well, I think it's in the answer. Well, what, ha- what if I'm not seeing correctly? What happens if... If I hear a different perspective and it does challenge how I view the world or view myself. Yeah. Yeah. A key you brought to the table, Katie, was pride. And actually, it was humility that you said you have pride. <laughs> well, okay. It's a it, hard reality. <laughs> yeah. But the fact is, pride is just focused on self. Mm-hmm. And it's. There's so much power in humility. There's so much opportunity in being teachable. And if we can humbly be open to be teachable, then that's positioning us to hear other people's points of view, but also be secure in who we are, even at that moment, because we're not afraid to see things from a different perspective. This past year, uh, I've seen so many things that I too thought was truth about Melody and realized that it was subjective based upon my experiential reality But that has not been negative. It's been actually very exciting because the more I can align with objective truth, wow, I will be better this year than I was last year. And next year, I'll be better than I am this year. So if we look at it as as a place of shame, then that, that will hinder us from hearing perspectives. But if we can look at it from a place of opportunity to grow, then I actually can become better than I am now. Yeah. And isn't that what we want, to go from glory to glory? I wanted to give a few things that maybe you can think about. If if you're thinking, I'd like to get better at this thing called empathy, or I want to get better at compassion, or maybe understanding someone else's point of view. So here's a couple of questions that you might want to think about or process. So the first one, it kind of goes back to the thing with uh, what you asked Aiden, was could it be possible that I could learn something new? Is that a potential? 
to see from someone else's perspective that I could actually learn something mm-hmm. new. Another question is, is it possible for you, for both of you to be right? That's a good one. Is it possible? Because I think perspective is, let's say you're looking at the same thing, but one is viewing it from the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. One is viewing it from the valley. You can be looking at the same thing, viewing it very differently, and both could still be accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that you might want to think about is uh, that you can be empathetic and compassionate and not water down your truth. Mm that I can still treat someone with respect. I can still not cut someone off if I don't agree on every point of view that they have. Mm-hmm. Another thing is you don't have to agree with an appo- you don't have to agree with a point of view for you to have some level of understanding. Mm-hmm. We were actually kind of having this conversation earlier. It's like we were looking at a situation and we're like I don't agree with what they did, but I can understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't agree with their decision, but I can understand why they're doing it. You know, you know, sometimes people make decisions out of hurt and wounding and not that it was the best decision, but I can empathize or I can have compassion because I can see why they did that. Or I can see maybe uh, a lie that they may be believing about themselves. Mm-hmm. So just because you don't agree with something that someone has done, I can still be, I can still have some level of understanding in that situation or the decision that they made. That's really the father's heart, Joel, because like, how can he show mercy when we have done such crazy things? And he knows the why. And so he continues to pursue us and 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 in our limited understanding, we don't know the why. Like we don't, yes. Scripture talks about the that God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward. Right. And so you can't always judge someone. Now I know that we know people by their fruits, but a lot of times we're just looking at the external and we don't see the heart behind it. Yeah. Well, the fruits are there because there's a root somewhere. Mm-hmm. And what is that root? And when we can understand the root, we'll understand why the fruits. And so instead of just attacking and say, you shouldn't be producing this, going back and saying, what's going on inside of you? Um, we've just finished a, a shame mentorship. And the fact is, when we saw the roots of shame, we were able to confront the fruits of shame. And our lives are transformed because now we've allowed the Holy Spirit to go in and touch and restore and heal and bring revelation of our true identity and our true worth, which changes the fruits. That's what healing is all about. But there's no condemnation, even though... I had a root of shame. I had a root of fear. And the more those things are dismantled in my life, the more the fruits can it can change. And that's the power of being teachable and having compassion and mercy in the lives of people to be able to connect and relate. One last thing I want, or one last question I want to pose. Could it be that you're unwilling to empathize with someone's point of view, because like we said earlier, you're afraid Mm -hmm. to hear their perspective. You're afraid that it might challenge what you actually believe. And I believe that if you, if you have a belief about something, 
it should be challenged, you know? Um, and that's what, to be honest, that's what makes it stronger. That That's what solidifies it is to uh, be confronted with maybe another perspective and still stand true to what you believe, or in some cases, maybe it, it does shift your perspective and then you can grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Great mean, questions. when your perspective is truly challenged, at the end of that, you'll see what you really, really believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when you can see all the differences, when you can uh, be faced with other perspectives, when thing like, because really, if you're going to change the way that you believe, then you've just changed something about what you believed. So um, at the end of the day, the bottom line, you're going to see, okay, this is what I'm not going to let go of. Um, even when I can see every other perspective, this is, this is the core. I can't, I can't change this. I, I refuse to change this. And all the other things that you might change on, well, maybe they had a reason that, that, they had a different perspective that could actually serve you, could serve um, a change in your belief. I'm not sure that what I'm saying is making sense, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of like a decision that I made. Uh, my my kids have grown up in, in a Christian private school, and we kind of made the decision because we looked and we said, we have to get our kids out of this bubble yeah. because they're going to have to engage with the world at some point. Yeah. So they were in a Christian school. They they live in our house. They 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 go to our church. So their world was so much in that Christian environment, which was a great foundation. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they're going to have to interact with people that disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And if they if we just keep them in this bubble, then they're going to go off and say, "Wow, like I wasn't." I wasn't allowed to experience these things. And then it almost puts doubt within their hearts where if we say, Hey, there's a world outside of the way that we think and we can talk through this and we can, uh, it could challenge our thinking, but I'd rather do that while they're still at home that I can still speak into it. And and that's why I think we, we see a lot of people that, that grow up in a a Christian environment, they go off to college and then they totally are transformed because they weren't allowed to experience anything outside of their bubble. Um, and, but I feel like if we, if if myself as a parent I'll give them opportunity to experience these things in the safety of still being in our household, still um, in open communication and, with our it, with our children, with with my children, then it gives them an opportunity to experience something outside of the bubble, but they still have an opportunity to you know, or they're in a safe place. Per they're se. in a safe place that they can share and ask questions uh, and even process, why do I believe what I believe? Mm-hmm. And it's if you think about it, every time we get physically sick, we have to determine, do we believe in supernatural healing? Do we believe that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed? We are challenged continually through external circumstances. Our beliefs are being challenged. And what is faith? I hold steady to what I know to be true. And that's what brings what I believe into a reality. 
but it's not because it's not challenged. It's because when it is challenged, I look to the author and the finisher of my faith and I see him do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask, think, dream, or, or imagine. And part of that perspective is, could healing come through medicine? Sure. Because <laughs> like, he wants us healed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's allowing yourself to see the same truth from mm-hmm. perhaps different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like because one of his disciples, Luke, he was a physician, right? Yeah. So he can't be against physicians. (laughs) Well, I think we talked about this long enough. (laughs) All right. Uh, Our next question, um, how can I help people see me in the way I want to be perceived? It seems like my motives are being judged inaccurately. Actually, that question makes my heart break for the person who asked that. Because um, it's almost like you are looking for someone else externally to validate who you are internally. And it's wonderful when we can demonstrate love and value and honor of others to support who they truly are. But we live in a fallen world and there's so many things that are constantly attacking our identity, our value, our worth. And um, and so this individual is almost looking, Katie, I need you to see me the way I really am because I need you to do that for me because that will validate me and give me a security of who I am. So instead of it rising internally from my relationship with God, uh, the security of knowing my value, my worth, my identity internally, I'm looking for external uh, indicators of my worth. So, uh, it, it, I just, my heart just kind of hurts for this individual. And there might be a lot of reasons um, that this is taking place, which, you know, I have some notes on this, but I just first wanted to share like my heart because I remember being in a place where I needed others to see my worth for me to be able to really be convinced of it myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what this person is saying, but that's what... I'm kind of feeling. As per usual, I didn't view this question as you did. <laughs> I viewed it as a leader saying, I, I do these things. My heart is is pure. My heart is for the team, but it always gets judged as me being selfish or me having ulterior motives. Um, so that's how I kind of viewed it. It's like, and, and maybe that's something that I can relate to. It's like... Um, people might perceive me as a certain way and that's not my heart at all, but it's just how I feel like I'm perceived. So I think that there are things that I can do to help. How can I put it to help people see me as I want to be perceived like an, like as a leader, Mm. um, I need to communicate less information and more of the heart of what, does it's that really make good. sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very much like, this is how I see it. And I give the information is very practical, but maybe the heart, like we kind of joke about uh, like 
I'll give an answer and then you kind of like smooth <laughs> it over. Like I'll add some. You add some heart to it, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and so maybe people are perceiving me a certain way mm -hmm. because that is what I'm presenting. And so that's how I kind of took this question of like, maybe if I communicated more heart and less right and wrong information, uh, they might be able to re perceive what I'm or even to receive what I'm uh, saying. Yeah. Yeah. I took the question the same way as you did. Um, Surprise. <laughs> but um, I think that communication is really, really key here. Um, one is that perception, again, is your perspective. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think just asking like those people that you are feeling this with, ask them actually how they're perceiving you mm -hmm. because you think you know how you're perce they're perceiving you. Really but until good. you actually ask them, I think that can really bring clarity. That's good. Um, and if, you, if this is a person who can really be honest with you, mm -hmm. um, then they may give you feedback that's hard to hear but really helpful. Or they may bring something, they might actually, they say, I don't perceive you that way at all, which to me then makes me look internally and say, why do I think they see me that way? Is that a bias? Is that something that I believe about myself mm -hmm. that I believe that I am putting forth and therefore getting this result? And so just communication can be so, so helpful in this Um because you're going to actually get clarity. I always say that expression is more powerful than assumption. So if you actually ask them how they're perceiving you, mm -hmm. you're going to get actual information of how they're perceiving you rather than trying to figure it. It's almost like we go, we, we make ourselves crazy trying to like change something in ourselves when if we just had a little bit more information, it would unlock the key to actually get us there, to actually get us to those results that we really want. Yeah, if you're if you're thinking how much you don't like yourself yeah. and then you go into a room and you're like people don't like me <laughs> and they're like and if you ask they're like yeah, we like you. We yeah. like you so much. <laughs> but then that kind of shows like, "Oh, okay, this is something I believe about myself that is then reflecting in how I think other people see me." Yeah. Or like I was just thinking just recently there was something uh, Joel, you and I were talking and you were like, you can be like this. Mm. And I was like, I know that, but, but it's so strong in me. I, so what did I say? I said, if you notice me being this way in a not healthy way, please tell me <laughs> because that points it out and I can adjust from there because if I'm just being quote unquote myself, but there's this area that I actually do need to work on having somebody actually be able to communicate that to me is going to help me work in that area and, and point something out that I might be oblivious to in the moment that's really going to help relationship to grow. And if you ask those questions, you're, you're going to have to also, and I'm not saying this with you, but I think sometimes you're like, guys, I want your feedback and your face is so angry. You're like, I'm not giving any <laughs> feedback. Like, See, I, to, I, I tell people all the time to give me feedback, but people are terrified to give you feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you. I'm just yeah. saying in general, right? Well, it's so true. Our perspective of how we come across and how we really come across can be two different things. It's like kind of like telling your face that you're having a good time. <laughs> well, as you guys were talking, I was thinking, 
uh, my husband's and my discussion will be married 47 years in, in the middle of next year. And, and, uh, I'd be telling him this stuff and he goes, don't preach to me, Melody. <laughs> and I go, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just sharing my passion. And he goes, well, it sounds like you're preaching at me. <laughs> and so my perspective was I was just bubbling out the passion of my heart and he thought I was preaching, trying to convince him, yeah. you know, to think like me or to whatever. And, and so you know, I look back and I can think, oh my gosh, I really probably was preaching at him, even though it was my subconscious. Uh, and you're looking at your motives and say, no, I want the motives? best. Yeah. I, you know, my motives are pure, but he's still experiencing uh, your communication in more of like, hey, you're trying to control me. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what this question is about. It's like, my heart is pure in this, but I'm getting like weird vibes back yeah. from people. Yeah. And some of that might have to do with their own their own stuff. Yeah. Mm. So until we actually just get it out in the air and say, hey, um, sometimes when you get really strong, like I don't really respond well to that, to that just because of my own experience. And so you just kind of can meet in the middle. And even if, even if, the behavior doesn't necessarily change or every time you still have a better understanding of where that person is coming from. And so instead of that, like if somebody gets super aggressive with me, like I'm, I don't love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I could just say, Hey, 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 I, I'm just letting you know, I want to hear you. This is really hard for me because of my own experience. Um, and so it just helps like, okay, and then they say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. That's not, I, I understand my personality can be this way. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm and now people, I'm conscious of that. So I'll be more aware. And people are communicating not just through words, but through visual or through yeah. like oh, physical cues. Yeah. Like, uh, let's say your father, whenever he breathed heavy, it yeah. was displeasure. Yeah. And so someone does that. You're working with someone and you're like, man, they're upset with me. And so maybe it's like, hey, when you breathe heavy, <laughs> does that mean that you're upset? With No, it just means I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, asking questions really. It really, like my whole life from the time I was a baby, they said Katie and her many faces. Apparently I have a lot of facial expressions, but this has come up over and over and over and over in my life is that people will say, I don't understand your face right now. And I don't, I truly don't know what my face even looks like. I'm not looking in a mirror. And so I have to say, when you notice that, just bring it up and I'll do the best I can to explain what I'm feeling because my face clearly doesn't always <laughs> communicate. Uh, clearly. <laughs> Well, it was, there was a funny, like I went into the hardware store and I was asking uh, the person at the desk some questions and her face was like with such confusion. So I kept on explaining <laughs> and explaining and her face. And, and finally I said, I'm not sure if I'm communicating, but you seem very confused. She's like, yeah, I get that a lot. People say I always look confused. <laughs> yeah. And so I was communicating effectively, yeah. but her face just like, I felt like I had to communicate more and more because her face was saying, <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. So just a simple 
am I making sense here? Yeah. Might be beneficial for that conversation or for that relationship. I think it can be on both sides because we all think subjectively, right? We we all think through the grid of our reality. So as I shared with my husband, I I was passionate. He thought I was pushy. It was through both of the grids of our reality. Yeah. So, Katie, you can be really hardworking and somebody says you're a workaholic through the grid of your thinking, no, I'm just a hard worker. No one's ever said that to me. <laughs> and somebody else is going, no, no, they're just such a workaholic because it's running, as they're looking at you, it's running through the grid of how they view life. Yeah. If they would be working as hard as you are working, they would be all stressed out. But for you, you are going to push through and this is what you're going to do. And doesn't and mean she's not stressed out. I was going to say, that <laughs> might just mean they have better work boundaries than I do. <laughs> it could be. So I'm just talking about, we're, we're talking two different perspectives here. Yeah. Uh, so you look but at you this, don't know until you have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like I'm really being courageous and bold and filled with faith. And somebody else is saying, no, you just are such a risk taker. <laughs> you know, you are reckless. You, you know, you you don't walk in wisdom. And so it's all based upon so many different uh, perspectives of yeah. what we do. Because if we do, if I do something and you can't relate to it, you're going to, you're going to function in through a perspective that either really values that and wish would love that to be in you or like, I can't relate to that at all. That irritates me when they do it. So we can't always determine how, how we show up. We can determine in our heart the motive of how we show up, why we show up the way we do and do our very best for it to be impurity. But I cannot always control how somebody else perceives. Sure. When I show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with that, I it just depends how like self-aware you are, how much you want to work on this, because you can't control everybody's perspective perspective or perception. Right. Um, but sometimes like for me, like um if I'm noticing a theme and then I get that bit of feedback that's like, hey we think that you're overloaded and we don't want to add to that. And so mm -hmm. we distance ourselves. So if I notice that pattern, that may or may not have been a factual example I just gave, but but if I notice that pattern, then I start to look at my behavior and look at things that I actually, the way that I am showing up and if there's anything I can do about that. Because like if I'm always talking about how busy I am, then I'm communicating something mm -hmm. and I might not be thinking that I am, but I am. Or if I am always walking at a fast pace around people, then I'm communicating something. Or um, if my eyes are darting every other direction while I'm talking to you, then I'm communicating something. So like with that feedback that I mm -hmm. got, if there are areas that I can start to recognize and say, oh, that makes sense why I'm coming off that way because this is the way that I'm behaving. Um, then there are things I can start to, if I really want to, I can start to um, become more conscious of those things and step towards change. So you can't always, you can't always um, match somebody else's perception. You can't always do something about it, but there are some times that you can. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what you started with. Yeah. 
is like recognizing, okay, how am I being perceived? And are there things I can adjust? And to add to that, the question is, it seems like I'm, my, my motives are always being judged inaccurately. So maybe you need to step back and really analyze your motives. You know, I, I find like people, like let's say you're working with a team and you say it's about the team, but everybody realizes, no, it's about you. Yeah. Mm. And so you might have the right language, but people can really sniff out selfishness pretty quickly. Um, it might not happen right away, but eventually. So I guess my point that I'm trying to make is, okay, if you feel like you're being, your motives are being judged inaccurately, could there be some truth to the feedback that you're actually getting and make the changes with that? Do you really think people give feedback? Honestly, there might be a very small number I think of people. If you've got, I mean, yeah, if you've got someone who is really close to you, it's not going to be everybody yeah. for sure. And I think if, depending, I think really you know, like, if, if you go to, uh, like if a boss goes to their employee for feedback, they're not <laughs> going to give you real feedback. This is the person writing your paycheck. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's going to depend who it is. But if I, like, if I went to one of you guys sure. or, you know, there's a couple of people, your spouse maybe, because they might be more inclined to tell you what they actually think. Well, and you also know that they love you. Genuinely. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a divorce process if you're going to get out of that relationship. <laughs> like there's, you're, you're in it. Like you're, you're really in it together. So. Um, it's like a thousand years ago, a king says, I need your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Off with their head. <laughs> I, I feel like people do that. It's like, give, like I was saying, you say, I want feedback, but your body language is not that. You know, it's like I'm ready to attack you with the feedback that you give. So people are just going to tell you what they think you want to hear. I would say you're getting feedback all the time. True. Yeah. True. Like every time I tell this person to do this, they don't listen. That's feedback right there. True. And so there could be a lot of reasons for that, but you're getting feedback all the time. Um, and I do think asking those questions are important. Well, how about I just give you a couple maybe questions that you can ask or starter questions. First one is, give me one thing I can do to lead you more effectively. Mm. If you're a leader, just give me one thing and be open to hear that. Um, ask them, what do I do well and how can I improve in the future? That's kind of like, okay, don't hurt my feelings too much. <laughs> Tell me one thing I do well, and then what, what can Sandwich I do to approach. improve on that? You know, another one is, hey, we've just been through a stressful time. What feedback would you give, give me to make us more successful? Mm. And so I think those are a couple good conversation starters. Yeah, I'd say don't. It's probably not the best way to just ask for open-ended feedback. Like, hey, give me feedback as a human being because that's intimidating and people aren't. And, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but uh, the word open mic at church, <laughs> I don't think that's, <laughs> that's not a good scenario. Everybody's got a different perspective yeah. on that. But, but with that, I think the more specific you can be in asking questions, like if you recognize a specific moment when you say, hey, 
I feel like I'm being perceived this way. I feel like you're seeing this way. Could you tell me what you actually think? Like the more specific you can be about it, the more likely you are to get accurate feedback from the person. Because again, if you just say, what am I doing wrong? That's really not, you You might get a long list. You're not really prepared to work through. Big emotions could enter, all of that. But the more specific, the more targeted you can be when you're asking for feedback. Um, like even what you said about the hardware store. Hey, you look confused right now. Are you confused? Mm-hmm. That was a specific the thing. The feedback you could point that I'm to. getting from your face right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, people tell me that all the time. And they could give you an immediate response. Yeah. So maybe like, it's not like, look at the last 10 years of our relationship. Yeah. No. In this moment, what are you, what am, what are you receiving from me? I also think you, the more you ask questions, the easier it will be. So the more that you ask for feedback, and it's not like, let's have a sit-down meeting and have yeah. feedback, but just be aware of the situation and op- be open to feedback. The more open you are to feedback, the more I think you'll get feedback. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so the well has run dry on this question. <laughs> That's what we're getting to. If we all agree, it's time to move on. <laughs> all right. So this next question... Um, is targeted towards my mom. Um, I probably have very little to say on this one. So this is going to be a uh, counseling session for my mom. Mm -hmm. So my kids say, I don't know how to have fun. Do my kids say that? He's saying it right now. (laughs) I'm giving you feedback right now. (laughs) I want you to be you, but... I think this is a good question. My kids say I don't know how to have fun. What is this thing called fun? And why is it important? So can we keep this question fun or will it turn into something uh, serious? We'll see. I mean, the the second part of the question might negate this, but I, like, I would ask, do you think that you have fun? Because is it just a matter of a difference of what fun looks like? Mm-hmm. Like your fun looks different than my fun and looks different than your kid's fun? Or do you not think that you have any fun and this is actually an area that... So like the question says, what is this thing called fun and is it that important? That kind of says like, you don't even think that you have fun. You have no value for that. But but is there something that you do that somebody else might not think is fun, but you think it's the best, like like you? <laughs> exactly. Well, the other week I was in a conversation and we were kind of, it was a group of maybe four or five of us and we were having this conversation and we were kind of joking around and stuff like that. And then someone jumps in. Uh, this wasn't you, mom. So <laughs> someone jumps in and what they said just brought everything <laughs> down. You're like... <laughs> Well, thanks for changing the mood, you know, like, and and so I think, I think sometimes there, there are people that do find it hard to connect with maybe lighthearted behavior. And so maybe for those people, how, how can they start, you know, and maybe, Hey, if, you know, some people say, be who you are, if you want to be a Debbie Downer all the time, or if you want to be serious all the time, well, I guess that's your prerogative. Kind of like I started listening to this book. It was about the grocery industry. And I thought that that was interesting. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn about 
what what the process is going from the farm to the grocery then you store. Realized. And I started the book and it immediately goes into like a slaughterhouse and it's very dramatic and it's like we're killing all of the and I was like okay this is not what I'm here for. <laughs> like now is that like a real issue that somebody could really be passionate about and care about? Yeah, but I was like okay, this is this is a little darker than I was ready for. I'm one that enjoys watching documentaries, but I've gotten to the point of like, this isn't always reality because it's all, I I haven't found a documentary that is states all points of view. No, it's, it's like, they're there to persuade. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how we got off on that. <laughs> so the question was, what is fun? So what do you do when you need to find out what something is? You look it up. So fun <laughs> is enjoyment. Yay. Amusement or lighthearted pleasure. So that's pretty broad. So like mm -hmm. what are some signs of fun? And what gets you there might be a little different. I know that you brought up, Katie, about you love when mom just starts cracking up about something. Yeah. We don't know how that happens, but <laughs> it happens once in a while. So what are some signs of fun? One is laughter. Laughter is one. Carefree. And, and a good way to describe that would be like a childlike state. It's like... I know, I remember when I was a kid, I would be out in the woods for hours mm -hmm. and I didn't have a care in the world. I was just doing my thing. And I think sometimes we lose that as adults where we we don't have that time where we're just carefree. We're, we're not worrying about this or how this is going to happen. I believe that, and that's where I think fun gets in. We need to have activities in our life where we forget about the cares. Mm -hmm. And we just enjoy the moment. Another means uh, lighthearted enjoyment or smiling. Um, another sign of fun is that time moves quickly. Mm. Have you ever been having so much quote unquote fun? And this can look different for a lot of people, but it's like, I remember when I was a kid, we would have these youth skate nights or these <laughs> skate nights and I loved them and they were so fun. And it was like, we would be there for like two hours or three hours, but it was like, this was just three hours. So time flies when time you're flies when you're having fun. fun. Is that a saying? I think mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Another sign for fun is uh, creativity and risk taking will increase. Mm -hmm. And and so like in that environment, I feel like if we're not getting to a place of where we're having that lighthearted behavior, we we can be hindering our creativity in our life. Sure. So those are some signs and. And why we might want to have fun. That was very, very good. Did I inspire you? Um, I could relate and connect to all of that. Actually, it was uh, probably about a month ago um, because people say I don't have fun. And I thought, I think I have fun. And um, my fun is probably different than other people's fun. But so I thought, okay, I'm going to have fun. Watching and, a documentary on injustice. No, I don't watch documentaries. <laughs> and uh, I have no interest in that. was a great that. time. <laughs> I'd rather be amused. I'd rather watch Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so um, <laughs> actually I did this little research and they say uh, people that watch uh, sports, that um, 
you know, what it does for them and it, and it causes them to be happy mm-hmm. and it it separates them from the pressures of life. And they said it's so emotionally healthy. And it's, it's not even whether they win or lose, but it totally separates them from the pressures of life because they have, they have no responsibility. They have no power to change anything, but they enjoy, you know, and of course we like when our teams win and that's mm-hmm. super fun. But even if they don't, just the process of watching this, and that's why sports is such an, um, uh, a very lucrative business mm-hmm. because people find pleasure in escaping life to watch other people kill themselves. Okay, so no. <laughs> but um, that's just a side thing that I just read this past week. I even made a little reel. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I added my thing, but it doesn't define me and all this other kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> but in doing that one, that's when I did that research. But all that to say is I was trying so hard to try to have fun. Yeah. And, and it was really frustrating me because when I was trying to do what other people think is fun, it was not fun to me. It was like work. And um, and that's and I, why I said to get to fun, it might take a different path from person to person. Yeah. So these are signs of like, like where I said having moments of being carefree. Like yeah. what what gets you there might be something totally different. But I think the idea or that fun is so necessary for our emotional health. Mm-hmm. Our health. Uh, it talks about fun. Uh, that fun will. Uh, is a stress reliever. It helps you sleep. It makes you more creative. Mm-hmm. In Proverbs 7, let's put some scripture in it, Mom. Yeah. Proverbs 17, 21, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Yeah. So it's good for your emotional health. It's good for your physical health. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to have fun in the ways that most people have fun, but having those moments of fun are necessarily for good health. Mm-hmm. And do you know what my I realized? Actually, I went and I do every every week. I teach in a in a ministry school, and it's you're there three and a half hours, you know, teaching. And when it was done, you know, we were just chatting, and I stopped. And I said, "Was that fun, Melody?" And I go, "I had a blast." You know, I'm free just to be me. You know, even though I'm teaching and I'm supposed to be bringing training to the table and I am, it is so much fun. And then, so this has like been over the last month trying to just ask myself the question, was that fun or was that not fun? Yeah. You know, to me. And one thing I realized, I have so much fun when my grandkids come over, Mm -hmm. but on those days, I'm not teaching them, I'm not training them, you know, I'm loving on them, but I love to do things with them that is fun for them, and I'm having fun, them having fun. Yeah. You know, whether we're playing games, whether we're watching football, whether, whatever it is, you know, Layla, let's go do, let's go put makeup on, you know, <laughs> and so we put makeup on and do hair, and, and she just loves that, and I'm having so much fun because she's having so much fun. And 
I realized that sometimes fun isn't always what I'm getting, but it's what I'm giving and it's allowing someone else to do the things that they really enjoy. And I participate in that because really relationships and heart connections where we, you use this word, Joe, Joe, where we enjoy one another, we find fun. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned a lot about fun in this last month because I realized that I have been having fun all along, even though people might not think. Well, they might- didn't you have one of your students t- tell you mm-hmm. that you you're having you look like you're having so much fun something yes. like that yes yeah uh, i got some feedback from one of my stu- students uh and this was adult students and they go uh you are having so much fun and we're having so much fun yeah because you're having fun mm-hmm. and that you you create these uh activations or these these things mm-hmm. you know uh that are so much fun yeah and i thought Thank you, Jesus, that they used that word fun because they knew I'm having, they know I'm having fun. They're having fun. And it's, I I think if, if we can consciously look at something in life and say what, I like the word enjoy, because I think we put definitions on certain words that fun has to be I don't know, whatever it is to different people. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to give signs of fun because yeah, like I said, enjoyment it, is so exactly. powerful. And um, we started out, well, or at least I started out joking that this was for you, but I really feel like this is a societal issue because true. I think where we're at right now is everything has to be end of the world or everything yeah. fixing this. Problem. particular thing or this problem where it's like you must remove all enjoyment because this thing is happening over here and and I I think it's um a tactic to create massive amount of stress to uh divide people um like think when you mm. look at a football stadium there are a vast no one thinks the same in that stadium, you know. Uh, they have different points of view. They have different political ideas. But in they, that mm-hmm. moment, they have joined together. They have joined together. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, and so I, I think having those moments are so important for someone personally, but I think even in a bigger sense, society-wise, that there are things that we can relate to and be carefree and lighthearted. You know, it, it it's gotten to the point where, uh, like, when you look at certain comedians, it's like, this isn't <laughs> funny, funny at all. Like, yeah. you're just stating the, pro- like, yeah. yeah. So actually, it I, this memory just came back to me. It it it's it doesn't sound fun, uh, but my my dad died. I was very very young, uh, and. Um, I really don't remember my dad, but I remember the funeral and I remember grieving and just the loss was so intense because I lost my daddy. And then we went to the wake, uh, you know, where you all eat afterwards and the family gets together and all those things. And people are playing cards and they are having fun. They are socializing. They're doing all those things. And I was watching them horrified. I said, you guys are laughing, and my daddy just just 
died. You guys are playing games. My daddy just died. And um, in our family, we were not criers. So I I didn't cry, you know, at the funeral. And so I went up into the bathroom. It was at my aunt's house. And I turned on the water and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And um, so it hit me when you were saying that, about what's happening in our world, it's causing us to focus on the negative so much. It's causing us to grieve and loss and fear and all these negative emotions that we're telling ourselves, you know, to have fun. We are violating our, our ethics, our morals, our standards, our beliefs. You know, if I'm not addressing this big world-changing event, then um, then I'm compromising or what it is, whatever it is. And so we can get so caught up in sadness and loss and sorrow and grieving that we make a conscious decision that we feel guilty having fun because we're not solving the problems of the world when probably what would solve a lot of the problems of the world is if we... And then in my adult years, I look back at that moment and they were all just coping with loss differently. And they were celebrating the lives in the room, the friendships in the room, the love in that room. I couldn't see that as that little girl, but they were all... They were having fun giving them the ability to process through grief, celebrating those that were right there, right then. And to me, that is just such an illustration of what you just talked about, Joel, that we so focus on these huge things that literally rob our joy rather than celebrating, look at the people in this room. Look at our family. Look at all the good things in our life. We have so much... um, that we can love life about, that we can enjoy life with. So that was probably a heavy story. But. I knew we would get there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it, well, I thought it was possible, but I was like, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> and you proved me. You uh, like, when my dad died, I was like, oh, okay, uh, we're going there. If you there. saw my face <laughs> when she said that, I have just ruined the whole question. Now you know what I'm talking about, people. We went straight like to the our, funeral. When you were saying all that stuff, I, I almost felt like you weren't giving like wisdom or you weren't giving like solutions. You were... It was healing. Yeah, you were talking about like maybe you are getting revelation for yourself. Maybe. Maybe I was. <sighs> but... but couldn't you see how that came out? People were having fun and what that was producing in them. Yeah. No. And looking <laughs> no. at the, the condition of the world, we get co- so They might not even up. have been having fun. They just weren't, you yeah, know, was, they weren't feeling the intensity that you were feeling. No. Well, and even haven't we seen where people have gotten so fear-driven by what's happening in our world that it sabotaged their ability to love life? My kids say, I don't know how to have fun. (laughs) What is this thing called fun and why is it important? (laughs) There she goes. There she's cracking up. (laughs) You are funny, Joe. 
It made sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You're going to make me cut off laughing right now. So we get back on track. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) We got a wheeze out of her. Oh my goodness. I want to send this to Rhonda and say, can you just give us some pointers or like, what is the real issue here? Well, one way I took this question relates to the previous question and it's about perceptions. Yeah. And that, uh, that's why I was like, do you think that you're having fun? Like, are you actually having fun? And other people just are not seeing it that way because like, if this was someone else, like looking and seeing someone else other than my mother. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like if, if you have small kids and they're like, you don't have any fun. Well, like what is the perception that they're getting that from? Is it just yeah. because like they want to do what they want to do? And because you have rules in your house, they're like, you don't know any fun like well then that's one issue but are they actually communicating that they want to see you laugh more that they actually are seeing that you're super stressed out all the time and that's what they're saying is like Mm. you don't ever have fun you don't we don't see you laughing like is that what they're saying um so is that what my son is saying to mom (laughs) i think what just happened over the past 10 minutes reveals what i'm talking about i do remember Several years ago, you were going through something really stressful. There's been so many of those. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember you telling me that when you needed a reprieve, you would put on YouTube clips of this one comedian. I won't say the name just because everything's so polarizing. But but you would put on this one comedian and I thought, really? That's who you go to? Like I never would have thought. It seemed so out of character for you to watch this person. But it, it showed me. I was like, Oh, that's fun to her. Yeah. She thinks that's funny. I that's still watch that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was so like, I never would have picked that that for you. But so it looks different for everybody. <laughs> but another thing, okay, like are they actually communicating that they want more quality time with you? Are they seeing that you're so busy that you're working all mm, the time that's, that's that they it. that they are saying, hey, we don't see you. Like we want to have fun with you, but that actually just means we want quality time with you. Um, are they saying that you have too many rules? Like, are you, do you have too many rules? I don't know if you ever heard like the concept of a yes day, but like, that's like having, like actually assessing and saying, okay, am I overparenting? Am I like being too, am I being fear-based? Am I saying no to everything? This may or may not be the case. Like I said, they might just want to do what they want to do. Your teenager may be like, I hate you. You never have any fun. And they just need to grow up a little bit. <laughs> but Yeah, there's a movie called Yes Day, like with these kids. I, yeah. I don't even know if it's... And like watching that with my children, I'm like, that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extreme version. Yeah. They yeah. wanted to watch that at our house and we watched it. It was a funny movie, yeah. but it... Uh, it yeah, was, drove you nuts. It, yeah, I yeah. did. <laughs> Yeah. And then lastly, I just thought, you know, if you are a parent who actually is really motivated, really work driven, loves your work, um, that you actually find joy from your work, but then, but your kids are seeing that you're just a workaholic. I think sometimes when you can let your kids see what and why it's fun to you, you actually just bring them into your world a little bit. Uh, They can connect some dots of saying like, 
to, to them, it's just like, well, you're working all the time. But if you can actually say, hey, when I leave the house in the morning uh, or when I go in my office in the morning, this is what I'm doing. And this is the difference that it's making, or this is the results that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And just actually kind of explaining some of some of the reasons that you find joy in it, it can kind of connect those dots to saying, okay, they're not just leaving me mm-hmm. all day and not talking to me because they don't want to be with me. They're actually doing this and they can start saying, well, that's really cool. That's really important. That's really powerful. Um, so again, this could, I'm just speaking possibilities. <laughs> but um, if it is your kids that are saying, you don't know how to have fun, um, like what are they actually perceiving? Is it that you don't know how to f- have fun? Maybe it is <laughs> like in this instance. Or maybe it, they're trying to say something else and just don't have the language for it. Those are some great points, Katie. <laughs> I know. I, I'm still in <laughs> bewilderment right now. <laughs> but thank you for adding that and f- fixing <laughs> or smoothing over. And when my grandma died, when I was four oh, years old. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, Joel, you're the editor. You can chop out anything you want to chop out. Oh, no. Oh, we're not. That was no, gold. He, I know. He never edits. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> I felt like, you know, how those uh, those documentarians like that film, like the lost cheetah, the white cheetah, or the snow cheetah, like they got the film of it. We got... Recording of you busting up laughing. A rare sighting. A rare sighting of laughter. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's recorded for For the world to hear. Yes. And I had to control it because it could have been (laughs) falling on the floor laughing. (laughs) Like I said, it was good. It was a rare sighting of uh, the snow leopard. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, do you want to wrap us up, Katie? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Maybe don't we want know. to say something. If you have questions or... <laughs> uh, sure. If you have questions. Yeah, if you want to ask a question and get our um, interesting takes on them, uh, you can always email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Do you know how many times I say that and I think, did I say the right email address? Life Exchange Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and um, maybe make some serious questions, maybe make some light questions and see how serious we can get them to go. <laughs> well, it was funny the, the other episode, it was like a really serious question and then it, we made it very funny. So maybe there's. You never some, know what you're going to get. You never know. You never Box know. Lots of chocolates. All right. Well, we're wrapping it up. I got up. the Forrest Gump reference there. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Ma- Mama didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> she, she's that's little, all right. I'm now she's ready. bewildered. Yeah. All right. That confused face right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. That's all we got. We'll, well see thank you, next you for week. joining us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.